Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 74th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. I'm pumped to chat with Derek Bradford, Group Sales Executive for the Columbia Fireflies, Loe affiliate of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure to go back and listen through the catalog, everybody. There's 73 other amazing episodes with awesome people that work in minor league baseball with so many different backgrounds. It's ridiculous. If you want a shout out on the Pulling Tart podcast, that's pretty easy to work out. Drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. That helps drive us up the charts and turns more people into members of the TARP crew. Make sure you go and follow me on Twitter at It's R.A. Coon. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N for all up-to-date news about the Pulling Tart Podcast. That's also where you can reach out to me to become a guest as well. All right, let's get into it, folks. Let's chat with Derek Bradford. Derek, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Just thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening. Um, we're actually recording this the night of the Home Run Derby. Let, let's just let's just hear who who your pick is for the Home Run Derby tonight. It's hard to bet against the favorite. Shohei is going to be hard to beat. Yeah, um, I'm going to give Gallo. I like Joey Gallo as a sneaky pick. Okay. Uh, I think he's like plus 550 if you're better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't endorse gambling, but uh, if I was to gamble, I would pick Joey Gallo probably just because there's money there. Yeah. Um, I do I do like the AL side a lot, uh, kind of going through it, who they got slotted in there. I mean, with Trey Mancini, like we were talking about, uh, Salvador Perez. I think Salvi will be a little sneaky because if he can get some pop with oh, yeah. there, there, I think he'll be a, a good one to have kind of as a dark horse. But I think Joey, I, that's, that's my guy. I run with him. All right, all right. Yeah, Joey Gallo is super fun to watch, obviously. Um, but I think Otani, he's just got like a like a science to it, man. Like, I whatever pitch he wants, he can hit out of the park, it seems, and it's unreal. So um, I'm interested to watch my, my wife, who was on an episode um, not too long ago. She's not a sports fan whatsoever. Um, but la- two years ago, I guess it was, um, I turned it on and she was, she's just like so anti-sports. She, usually she's just like, go up to your man cave and, and watch it, you know? And she started getting really into the home run derby. So I texted her while I was at work. And I said, your favorite sporting event of the year is on tonight. The home run derby. And she's like, oh, I can, I can make a couple drinks and watch that. That was fun. And I was like, 
okay, babe. Let's, all right. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna do that uh, later on. But um, how's everything going in Colombia so far this season, man? Hey, man, it's been a uh, beautiful weather. We've been blessed that we haven't actually had the pull talk too much. You know, knock on wood. Pray that keeps going. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've yeah. had beautiful season starting out. Uh, we've been really thankful of how the fans have really welcomed us back and, and come out in droves, honestly, to really support nice. us with a lot of different initiatives. So I mean. We are, we are Fireflies campaign, which is huge to get fans' names and partners' names on jersey just to kind of appreciate them, how they supported us through COVID, and really how they supported us ever since we started here in 16. So it's been, it's been cool. Uh, done some stuff that's been, been challenging and some stuff that's may, uh, maybe not has been met with most open arms. I mean, I work with churches a lot, and mm-hmm. we did a Pride Night, so it was, uh, it was some funny emails to send back and forth. But, right. Uh, honestly, I... I couldn't be prouder of what our team's done. I uh, just coming back from COVID and the way we really embraced the community from, I mean, everything from our We Are Fireflies to celebrating the affiliation with the Royals, our Negro League celebration over Juneteenth weekend, our Pride Night, every single step along the way and every single promotion between them. I'm extremely proud to be a part of this team because it's our marketing department and our leadership and our across the board, our ops team, keeping the stadium clean and beautiful, our grounds crew making amazing designs, making the field look great no matter what. It's everybody's really stepped up in a huge way that I I mean most minor league teams have people that are going to step up in this huge way but to, to see it and this be my first minor league team to really be a part of it's been this is special so it's been, it's been fun to watch yeah you guys are you guys are killing it um yeah like you said just so many initiatives so many great promos so far this season congrats on that and uh you know best of success the rest of this season if and if you can't answer this question, I certainly understand. We'll edit it out. But how does that communication like go about? Um, like you said, you are you know you're kind of in charge of like the faith and family um, kind of aspect of of your uh, sponsorships and stuff like that. Um, but how does that work itself out? You know when you do. Like it sounds like you're the dedicated person on your staff to like churches and ministries and that kind of stuff, and then you guys host a pride night. Now, do I think baseball should be included, you know, inclusive for everyone? Absolutely, but obviously there are people on one side of things and some people on the other side of things. So, how does that communication go about, and how do you kind of like talk them off the edge, if you will? I'll be honest, uh, I grew up in the church, and I'm, I'm a man of faith myself, mm-hmm. uh, and for me, honestly, it's just the simplest way is Christ himself said that people will know that we're his disciples by how we love people, and that at the end of the day, he's a, he's the judge and jury, Yep. and so I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of churches, I'm like, hey, look, I may understand that you may not want to come out to Friday night, I understand that you guys may not be supportive of what we're doing, but at the end of the day, we're a business, they're sure. a part of our Columbia community. And there are people that are in our community that Christ called us to love because Christ called us to love everyone. And so yep. I, I've, luckily, I was really blessed that a lot of the church leaders around here were understanding. I mean, I'll be honest, there were ones that said, hey, look, we don't want to come out on Pride Night, and I completely understand that. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's their choice, and I'm not going to try to force them into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also doing, at the end of the season, we're going to have on August 14th a Faith and Family Night, which yeah. has been a big initiative that I've been kind of tasked with spearheading, working with the churches. And it's something I'm really excited for. And I've, I've talked to a lot of churches like, hey, look, we are a business and we want to support every single part of Columbia because our marketing slogan is fun for all. Mm-hmm. And our marketing director, Ashley DeCarlo, 
our team leadership of John Katz and Brad Shank have done a great job to take that fun for all and not just make it a slogan, but make it real and make yeah. it what our ballpark's about, which has been huge because we want this ballpark to be welcoming to every single person, every race, sex, religion, orientation in Colombia. We want them to feel welcome there. And we've done a great job, I believe, of doing that. And yeah. I think that's something that definitely needs to continue. And I think it's, we took a step in the right direction this year by having a Pride Night. And I believe it was important for me too to be there, just uh, on a personal note. Like, I know a lot of people that I know at the ballpark know I work with churches. Mm-hmm. They know that I work with a lot of faith-based groups. Yeah. And I think it would have been, I think it would have been a sore, kind of a black eye or a sore eye on me to not be there. And so I really, I wanted to be there to show the fact that I'm supporting what we're doing as a business because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm called to be a disciple of Christ in my religion and that's loving people. And so it's one of those things like, I think that's been huge just because we were lucky to even have, we even had a church come out that night. Uh, they came out, they, I spoke with them, I said, hey, look, the day, this is probably night, it's going to be happening. And they were like, you know what, that, that's okay. They repeated back to me what I said to you. They said, Christ yep. calls us to love people. We're going to come out, we're going to enjoy a baseball game because what's going on with the, with the crowd there is mm-hmm. going to affect us. Yeah. We are who we are. And so I think that's something that's awesome. It was huge for me to see because. It's something I, I prayed about and really took really a weight off my shoulders. So I was worried that there was going to be a lot of nasty responses and that it was going to make my job a little bit harder. But mm-hmm. it's, I was extremely thankful for the church community in Colombia to the way they handled it and the way that they communicated and, and were really mature about it. So I'm thankful for that. It's awesome. Ooh, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Like minor league baseball is, is a community event. Um, and if it's not for everybody, then what? Then what are you doing? You know. Um, so I'm with you a thousand percent. Couldn't have said it better myself. But um, so you you got booked onto the podcast because you responded to my tweet about having the most interesting bio on the team website. And you're right. There's a lot to unpack here. So let's dive into it, my friend. You ran cross-country and track and field at Missouri Western State University. What do you think about the updated rules that allow NCAA athletes to profit from their name, image, and likeness? Absolutely love it. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on this podcast before the NCAA. <laughs> uh, personally, as, as a college athlete, I, I'm not the biggest NCAA fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely love it. I think it's one of those things that has been coming for a while. As a D2 track athlete, I don't know if I would have made much money, but uh, I love the opportunities there for people because they deserve it. Like, it's messed up that you got guys like, I mean, looking back, like Tebow, Johnny Menzel, Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush lost to Heisman I know. because of his name and likeness. None of what he did on the field lost his Heisman. There was no PEDs, no cheating that way. Albuquerque he took some cash because he was a kid that came from an impoverished area and needed money to keep going yeah. to college because USC isn't cheap and LA is not cheap. Right. It's, I'm, I'm so glad to see those rules changed, and I'm glad that these athletes, especially the athletes that come from impoverished areas where, I mean, you, you may have a kid that's on like a half scholarship and is getting his tuition paid, but like that was not going to help with books and room and board and stuff. Yep. So I think it's awesome for those kids to be able to kind of make up that gap so that their parents aren't being kind of pushed in there. And I mean, it's one of the things that I think, I think will help close a generational wealth gap and uh, the fact that it's going to make a lot of college athletes, like, I mean, you got a kid that, he may be going D2 and playing football, and he may be deciding between, hey, do I go D2 and play football and kind of pursue my passion? 
or do I go to a small school, D2 school, and I work and try to pay for school so my mom doesn't have to. Right. I mean, I think this, this closes that gap and kind of helps it out. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a really good thing. For sure, for sure. So you, you said right up front, you said, I don't think I would have made a lot of money, but what would you have done to try and make a profit during your student-athlete days? Uh. I might have been the face of Chipotle in Northwest Missouri. That's Ooh. the first step. <laughs> I am a massive Chipotle eater. And okay. I, I was known by first name at the Chipotle in St. Joseph, Missouri. Probably still am. All right. Uh, yeah, I would probably be on like a Chipotle billboard. I'd be uh, like Happy Gilmore with the sub. having a, <laughs> I'd cross the finish line and then immediately grab a burrito and get ready to roll. Or nice. On a, on a little commercial, taking a jog while I'm on the burrito. It's I'd find a way into a Chipotle sponsorship for sure. Um, the easy one is every athlete you see now on Twitter is I've got Barstool athlete in their bio. I would do that. Just yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> a lot of hanging fruit. Plus, I mean, get a, get some free merch. Never hate that. Yeah. Um, probably those two for sure. Um, I would definitely look at a regional chain high V grocery store up there. Like high V. Uh, I think with cross country and track, and the fact that I was a marketing major, I could sell them on something where I could say, hey run in quick get something and you got me a little track uniform running in grabbing something quick to go because they got like pre-made meals and yep. stuff yep i was something there and Ooh. probably shoot it down there i'd, I'd shoot <laughs> my shot with every brand and company i could find but i'd probably i'd try to turn up a dime or two maybe maybe do some like coaching clinics and say hey i'll coach uh coach a kid running but we'll see what i can do with that okay i i like the outside of the box thinking all right, too bad, too bad this wasn't a few years ago. But um, so you had three sports internships in college, uh, one with the St. Joseph Mustangs, one with the Charlotte Motor Speedway, and one with the Dallas Stars. Um, those are all three, like, very different from each other. How does working in baseball differ from working in other sports? I think the biggest difference is just the pace of play. I mean, NASCAR is fast. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Um, so hockey's quick. But baseball, it it's, can be slow and deliberate and kind of drawn out. And I think that's the beauty of it. And that's why I like it so much from a working aspect. As a fan, yeah, it can get frustrating sometimes. Cause you're like, all right, let's get this thing going. But as an employee, like, gives me opportunities and conversations just like this like we could have this conversation while the baseball game's going on oh yeah team in front of us mm-hmm. and so i think that's really cool because it allows for connections with fans like i mean i really wasn't able to connect with fans the same way at charlotte motor speedway and with the stars as i am right now i mean it's just it's just such that's a true. different like way to kind of connect with people and it's it's so special too because it seems like i mean like hockey and nascar are two kind of niche sports where like not everyone likes hockey and NASCAR. Yeah. Everybody seems to be like, yeah, I'm in on minor league baseball. I mean, Mustangs, they were a college wood bat team, so it's unaffiliated ball. But, like, that stadium was packed out, and that stadium's oh, been yeah. around in the community forever. And it's I, – I don't think I can imagine summers in St. Joseph, Missouri without the Mustangs. I, being here in Columbia, I don't think I can imagine summers in Columbia without the Fireflies. So I think it's something that's extremely cool and just extremely ingrained in a lot of small-town societies. And, I mean, granted – Columbia isn't the smallest town in the world, but it's, I think it's ingrained in just all these small towns and that we're small and have grown up that you have a summer baseball team and kind of spend your summer nights in the ballpark, especially around the 4th of July uh, this time of year. Right, right. Okay. I totally get that. We already kind of 
talked about this a little bit, but why are Fireflies games the perfect fellowship opportunity for faith-based groups? Yeah, so part of that's going to be, I'll give a little backstory here. Uh, I went to South Carolina for a year, uh, Mm -hmm. actually in Columbia here. Okay. And then while I was a freshman, I lost my mom and got really depressed, didn't handle it well. Uh, Dropped out of school after, after dealing with some drug addiction and some alcohol abuse. Dropped out of school, went to a junior college for a year. And then after my first year of junior college, I wanted to work an internship and I wanted to kind of like get myself back on my feet and get out of my hometown because a lot of the guys that I was hanging around with in my hometown were kids that, had, that were seniors in high school or just graduated high school and not all of them were good for me. I've got three right. really good buddies back home, Nick, Kyle, and Foreman, who really supported me through a lot of that. I got some good buddies back home that maybe weren't around the whole time, but were really supportive the whole time there, which I was thankful for. But for me, I knew I needed to get out and kind of get somewhere. So right. I looked at internships a lot. I wanted to work for the Royals. I wanted to do something for the Chiefs or Sporting Kansas City because my parents are from KC. So I grew up with a big KC sports fan. Nice. Uh, so I kind of wanted to do something there. They really didn't have any options there, but the Mustangs actually had an open mascot position. And while I was at South Carolina, I was cocky, and I just I emailed Kai, who was the GM, and I was like, hey, I want to do this. Show up my first day out there after getting the job, and I just show up at 9 a.m. to work. And he's like, you don't have any mascot appearances today. I was like, I don't have anything else to do. Like, I was <laughs> like, I don't know what am I going to do. I'm just going to sit in my home. Like, so I just went to the ballpark and just kept showing up, and Kai... Kai Turner's an amazing GM out there, and he's just an amazing guy, an amazing kind of role model and leader, which I'd be really thankful for. Uh, he's one of the funniest guys you'll ever see, and he's, uh, he's if you know Jesse Cole, he's the Jesse Cole of the Midwest. And okay. His outfit choices, so it's uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, kind of working with him there, just because you never know what to expect when you walk in the door. Uh, but it was it was really enjoyable to kind of go out there and have him take me under his wing like that and, and really kind of show me the ropes in minor league baseball especially or baseball especially excuse me uh, yeah but it's it's one that's been really special for me coming through that summer ended up going to missouri western and uh through that just through the conversations i had that summer it's kind of what drove me to missouri western uh, i found out through that summer because i was running on my own that missouri western had a track team which got me connected back with well i ended up getting connected with young life which ended up getting me connected back in church and really really I don't want to say conquering all the demons I had, but definitely making them much more manageable. Which sure. Is, uh, and I don't think any of that happens without a summer in baseball. And I think, kind of like I was talking about with our conversation here, how we can do this with a baseball game. Churches can do this with a baseball game. And it's yep. it's a lot easier to get somebody in a, in a bench seat at a ballpark than it is in the church pew sometimes. I mean, I think it's, it's an opportunity where you can, the conversations that, that lend themselves in a baseball game, the way people can just not feel the pressure of like, hey, I'm talking to my pastor, hey, I'm talking to my, my youth group leader. It's like, hey, I'm out here at a baseball game talking to a friend. I right. Think that's that's huge. And I think it's an, op- an option opportunity that churches just don't really always have everywhere they go. I, mean, I think sometimes you go other places and it's like, you go to like a little arcade and they're like, oh, the church is running out this arcade. Like, uh, we got to clean it up a little bit. And it's like, no, like, this is minor league baseball. Right. It's family friendly fun and it's great value too. So, I mean, it, I think it's a win on all three levels. I think it's an opportunity that a lot of churches here have loved, and it's, I want to keep growing here. For sure. That's that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, keep on growing that. Um, that's awesome, for sure. Um, so in your free time, you like to go fishing. What's the biggest fish that you've caught? Don't, don't, don't tell one of those, those uh, 
stories, man. Like, it's just be be real with me. What's the biggest fish that you've caught? Uh, freshwater. I've caught a seven pound bass, which I think is my most impressive. That's pretty impressive. Uh, it time. It was a actually there's a little pond behind Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, mm-hmm. Back if you if you're familiar with the area, they have a speedway, a dirt track, and a dragway. It's like back in the corner behind the dragway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a key that unlocked that gate, so I would go fish there it's on after work and just kind of fish till the sun goes down. Small pond. I probably hooked every fish in that pond at least once. But uh, <laughs> I, the one day, I knew there was a big bass in there because I'd heard stories about it. And I, one day I just got him on a hook, a nice little spin and kind of brought him in. Knew it was a big one because he kind of was pulling back through a little battle. And I was like, all right, this is going to be a nice one. Threw the weight on there. It said 7-1. And I was like, that's Ooh. nice. So it, was, it was a good time, man. That was, uh, that was fun. Yeah. And then uh, saltwater, I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia, so I used to fish kind of like uh, around the bay there, so a little bit of saltwater as well. And from the beach, and uh, like from the beach of the bay where the ocean bay kind of meet, I mistakenly caught a shark uh, while Ooh. I was not fishing for him. It was Ooh. a little four-foot shark, which is kind of cool. So Nice. Yeah, just, that one was a nice one where I just cut the line and said, hey, you go, so <laughs> free. I'm not getting anywhere near those teeth. So. Right, right. So, Have you... time, that one was a big mistake with fun. Have you gone crabbing before? So I'm actually not gone crabbing. It's huge in the area, right yeah. there in the Chesapeake Bay. And then uh, the Hampton High School team is called the Hampton Crabbers because it's a big profession over in Hampton. But never actually gone. Seen a bunch of. I want to. I've seen a bunch of videos and like of the of the wire traps, but now I've never actually gone myself. Yeah, I've only gone the kind like where you put like. So you you just put like chicken thighs on the end of a fishing line basically, and you just hand roll it in, and yeah. that was super fun. Like you just you know you chug like ha- half your beer, you reel you reel one in, and so it was like every time I cast out, I was reeling a crab or two in. Um, I'm not a big fan of seafood, but I do like to go crabbing. Um, I never had done it before I moved to Delaware um where i'm at right now um but but yeah it's a big thing around here people love to go fishing um but yeah i'll have to i'll have to go fishing in the ocean one of these days um but we'll see we'll see how it goes so um all right so i was kind of in the dark about this i tried to google as much as i could um but who is joe shepherd and why do you want to have hair and a beard like him so joe shepherd is our director at ticketing and uh he's got a beard like a civil war general okay it's awesome it's uh it commands respect and like he looks like a man of authority with his beard so <laughs> I think that's the beard is the real one the hair's his hair is always well kept and well trimmed and I, I aspire to have that level of well trimming of my hair and not have to wear a hat all the time uh no the beard's the real point of jealousy there his beard is something it's huh. uh I wish I could describe it better for the people out there, but it's it's just something you got to see in, in person. It's it really blow you away. I'm gonna I'm gonna look right now. I I still have the um, the team site up. It's man, it's something special. It's I oh, beard his beard is special. awesome. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I think Ulysses S. Grant, if like him and Joe, Joe's from New York, if Ulysses and Joe were like in the Civil War at the same time, Ulysses would have been like, all right, this guy's in general. Hey, he <laughs> he <handed it> <laughs> I, uh, I recently started trying to grow out my beard, um, and 
I I tried to trim it once and it like was just an epic fail. So I just ended up shaving the whole thing. And then um, I just grew it out for like pretty long time and I had no idea how to trim it. So I just, I just went into the barber shop and just had them trim it. But um, yeah, I'll never be able to grow one like that. That's for sure. Goodness. Super jealous. Phenomenal. Yeah, that is, man. So also tried to do some researching on this too but to no avail who is jeff berger and how good are his dance moves so jeff berger is uh, one of our sales guys but he's also one of the fly guys which uh they dance every uh, after the sixth inning so we'll okay. do the sixth inning drag and they dance on the first base side and third base side uh jeff is one of the fly guys and he he uh, if i was rewriting my bio uh, I don't know if I would pick Jeff Berger, to be honest. Uh, I picked him because he's the first dance moves I had seen. They're, they're solid. They're 12 out of 10, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. We have a guy named Scotty Rhodes, who is uh, he is one of our other sales executives. His dance moves are otherworldly, if I'm being honest. Okay. He, uh, he brings in some moves and some, some gyration that I just I haven't seen since Stephen Garcia was throwing balls for South Carolina, man. It's, Ooh. The way he can spin his hips is insane, but it's, uh, he's got this little little go-to move where he goes like wide arms, kind of like he's uh, like a plane, and then just a little hip shake in between. And he, I mean, he might go wide arms. He's touching fingertips on each side, and he's <laughs> they've all got some dance moves. But seeing Scotty go full bore in action on a Saturday, pack Saturday night, that's something special. The Fly Guys, man, that must be an honor to be included in, in one of those. Yeah. It's uh, it's something. I'm uh, right now. I'm the fifth man off the bench. So Ooh. if somebody gets hurt, they, they call me in out of the bullpen. So it's uh, it's been fun. I will say there's uh, it's nothing like it when you get a about hundred middle aged women screaming for you. Right. It really, it really makes you want to get down. So. Exactly. So in Beloit. We had a very small front office. Like at this point, there might have been like five or six, and but we had interns and stuff like that, and there were. Three girls that worked full time for us, and then um, the rest were all guys. And but they wanted to do a dance off, like on top of the dugouts, and like you know us being like young and cocky, we're like okay, like let's go. And so they like took like half the day to go like practice this dance routine, and like you know we didn't do that because we had to you know, work, like, we're, we're getting ready for the, for the game that night, and we just got up there, and we just started dancing, they did, like, this whole routine, and, like, you know, we did, like, the, you know, if you think they won, cheer over here, if you think they won, cheer over here, we won by a landslide, and I think I ended up making, like, five dollars that night, just, just from women throwing dollar bills at me, and I made it, I think I reshared the, um, from, from like time hop i reshared the memory and um i think i quote t- tweeted it and said like this was the most money i ever made in baseball <laughs> <laughs> that's solid being a, a fly guys they're too far from uh from fans to get money thrown at them but i think <sighs> i said like on the off nights I, i'll just go out there with a bucket and just be like hey you'd like to tip i'll run i'll run down the stairs on the first base side sprint up and sprint around and then run down on the third base side with a little tip bucket there you I, go. We stand to make some money. I mean, we. 
I'm not saying they're good, but we could probably pay the salary of one of our employees from off Tipstrom. Oh, so, okay. There you go. Uh, pretty solid. Now we're talking generating revenue. Excuse me. Um, speaking of generating revenue, in your experience, and I know it hasn't been a ton in sales, um, but what do you think is the number one secret to sales? I think listening is probably the number one secret to sales. Uh, if, you, if you listen to people and get them talking, they're going to tell you exactly what they want, and they're going to yeah. tell you exactly what they're afraid of, exactly what their reservations may be. And then if you listen to them, you're going to be able to come back to them and be like, hey, look, you sound like you're worried about the weather. You sound like you're worried about the sun being out and you're being hot. Mm-hmm. Let's get you up a little bit, kind of up on, up on our concourse. You want to do food included? We got a concourse suite, food included, and it's a semi-private area for your people while saving you a little bit of money versus the suite upstairs. I mean, that's that's an example literally from today that I just listening to the okay. people and kind of hear kind of what they're saying, which has been huge. It's I mean, it's something I had to learn. Is like talk. Uh, I'm, I'm a big talker and open book, so it's it's a secret that I struggle with, but yeah. it's one that I found when I when I do apply it. It's it's been very good for me. I think just listening also it just makes people feel valued so it's, it's a huge thing just be like hey i'm not treating you like a transaction i'm treating you like you're a person yeah you're a leader and i want to hear you out hear your concerns and be able to help you and it's i think that's something i really like about group sales versus individual sales just okay. because when i was with charlotte Motor speedway at night i uh, i was working at the ticket office doing inside sales there absolutely loved it the staff there was amazing but it was very much transactional get people on the phone get them off the phone and okay. have them buy it somewhere in between there so I think it's one of those things I I do enjoy hearing the ability that I can make relationships with customers and not and a lot of these people like yeah they tend to be a customer on paper but I feel like they're a friend they're kind of part of my family oh yeah during COVID I was emailing a lot of them a ton and I mean I was talking about the dog I adopted during COVID okay. I was talking about trips I was taking like when it, things opened up and I finally got to go home and see my parents like. I was telling them all about this stuff because it, it meant a lot to me and they right. felt like they were close to me. They felt like a family. And so it's, I like that difference where it's, they're not a customer. They're not just a one, two, and it's off. The, these people are family. And a lot of it just comes from listening to them, hearing them out. Okay, awesome. I'm sure um, listening, that that doesn't help you with the, with the ladies at all either, right? Yeah. It uh, <laughs> has never once. Uh, uh, listening has helped me with my girlfriend at the time. She is, thank goodness, she's patient. So that's, that's helped me. So. Um, let's talk. Let's. I'm a big dog guy. Uh, so let's let's talk about the dog that you adopted. Um, what's his or her name? What what kind of breed or breeds are they? So I adopted a dog named his name's River. His name was Mel. He was uh, when I adopted. He was a two year old from. Uh, almost turned three from Palmetto Lifeline here in Columbia. Um, adopted him. He is a Dutch Shepherd mix. Okay. So he's, he's a pound hound, but Dutch Shepherd is the, the biggest, most prominent breed. And he's a short-haired Dutch Shepherd. So he's they're smaller than German Shepherds uh, by nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's about he's a small, like about medium-sized, 45-pound dog. Okay. Uh, but he has a lot of pit bull in his prominence too. So kind of the way he stands and a little bit of his face uh, has that pit bull look. But he's got the big pointy ears like a shepherd. So okay, he's a cool little dog. He's he's you can definitely tell he's been through a lot just because I mean getting him kind of inundated in here and getting used to like not being in the pound was was wild because I mean right. the first month I had him he was 
he'd stay in his crate all day and just lay there. And like I'd be laying in bed five feet from him, and he'd choose, at night he'd choose to go to his crate. And it's like right. you're so used to it. And so I mean, so that was wild. But it's like patience for me and kind of me helping him grow. I think it's one of those things too that it helped me a lot during COVID, just because of my mental health being the way it is, and myself knowing that. I need connection. I need people around me. That COVID was really tough for me. And mm-hmm. Adopting River and kind of bringing him into the family was, was huge for me just because it's something I really needed. Um, I, he's not a trained emotional support dog, but I know that I'm a lot happier and a lot more mellow when I have him around. So sure. that was huge. Uh, and then I actually, so I met my girlfriend during COVID. Uh, with the day the bars reopened in South Carolina, I took really to the dog bar and then uh, through a mutual friend and met my girlfriend Hannah. Oh, and she cool. has a 90 pound golden retriever. Nice. So we now have two dogs in the family and uh, they are opposite personalities. River is very much extremely lazy in the house. He will cuddle up to you, just lay with you all day long and be content. Finn is still a puppy and plays all the time, but uh, yeah. they're, they're a great pair. They love each other, whether they act like it or not. But, uh, <laughs> They, uh, it's fun like you'll kind of walk up and like they're laying on the bed they'll just be laying like cutting their head on, like with each other and so yeah they're, they're a good little duo I'm a big fan of both of them and both of their personalities have taught me a lot of different things because I mean River's the type that he's cuddly and supportive and will he's been through a lot of trauma and he can tell when I'm having a bad day and he's the first one to kind of come cuddle up with me and like hey I'm here for you just pat my head it'll, it'll be okay and right. Finn's the other way where I come home from work and he is like, dad's home, let's go, let's yeah. go, let's go. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely a little bit of a, a difference there, but love them both. Yeah, I, I can't imagine life without either of them now, so it's awesome. Yeah, dogs are awesome in that way. Um, I've talked about them before on the podcast. Um, <laughs> Tyler Oman, he was actually on the podcast a while back too, and um, he... I posted a picture of Bo or something like that on Instagram, and he said, "He said, um, out of dogs that I've never met before, I'm I'm more invested in Bo than any other dog ever." Um, but so, um, I was actually at um, I forget what it's called right now, but I was at a video board conference um, in St. Louis at the Cardinals Stadium, actually, um, and. It was it was hosted by um, like Dactronics and stuff like that, and so I was out there, and my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, um, we had talked about getting a dog. I had just moved into the house that that she owns, and um, we were like, okay, when I get back, we're gonna go look for dogs, and. I called her one day on my lunch break while I was at this conference, and I said, what are you doing? And she said, oh, I'm at PetSmart. And I was like, "Um, what are you at PetSmart for? And she's like, oh, I got a puppy. And I said, oh, you did, did you? And she's like, yeah, I had jury duty, and I got off early, and I rode by the SPCA and saw that they were open. So I went in, and I found this this uh little beagle puppy that um he had just been brought in the day before he wasn't even on the website yet and um of course she came home with him he was only like eight weeks old um but yeah i think he's a beagle jack russell mix 
Um, so he's got a lot of energy, but when he wears off that energy, he is a just a cuddle bug. He's 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 cuddling with her right now in bed as we speak. Um, but also, I took him to doggy daycare today. Like three three days a week, he goes to doggy daycare and just like runs around with other dogs outside for the entire day. So, um, that's awesome. To say that he's spoiled is an understatement. But... That's kind of how I feel about these two. They got, so we have a baseball field a block away from where I live, and so you, I'll come home on lunch. And I mean, I live next to the stadium, so two minutes okay. drive to the stadium. Nice. And, Get here, come out on lunch, and just make a little quick handheld sandwich, and just go let them run around a baseball field for an hour. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been nice; they love it. I mean, Finn is uh, he's more lazy. He's the, when, they get, when they get outside, they flip personalities. River will sprint, and he's he's probably one of the fastest dogs I've ever seen. I think he he can give a couple slow greyhounds a run for their money, in my opinion. But All right. I'll, I'll never take him to a dog track to prove it. So <laughs> that's just gonna live on as a as a rumor and tale. So. Nice. Yeah, they they love that. They're definitely spoiled as well. Nice. So, you've... Well, let's see. Um, I guess you have had a couple seasons of, you know, that you can do tarp. So, do you have any crazy tarp stories yet in your career? So, with the... Well, I'll do one with the Fireflies and then one with the Mustangs. The craziest one with the Fireflies yet was... We had uh, so we came in. We had to get the old tarp. So our old uh, tarp that like we weren't using it anymore, we we're gonna cut it into a skin tarp. Okay. And uh, opening that thing up, we were all pulling in. It just wasn't budging. Like that thing was solid. Like it was on the ground. Cause there was so much just like water, like dust and dirt in it. That thing was not moving. And luckily, no one noticed. But I was pulling. And I, like my like I kind of like turned to kind of just pull like this way, mm-hmm. and so I had one hand on the tarp, and it just like I let go, and it just like cause I I kind of just pulled like myself out, so I was kind of getting a little run. I let go, just no idea why. There's no logic to why I did. Right. And I just completely face planted, and like two people saw. I popped back up real quick, trying to shake it off, like nothing happened, and I ended up running that tarp out, cut it into a skin tarp. But I think that's. Personally, it was wildly embarrassing. <laughs> it was, uh, it's something that luckily not many people saw. So nice. Was, uh, that one was good. Uh, I will say my favorite run right now. It's early on in my career. I got a lot of time to make more tarp memories. Oh, yeah, for sure. I went to, uh, I was working for the Mustangs. It started pouring rain, just a spot shower out of nowhere. Right at start time, one of our games. And Kai, with some quick thinking, was like, let's throw some dish soap on this tarp and let's play tarp soccer. Wow. And so it was our interns versus our teams. I college what that league. Like, sure. Teams into it. Yeah. And kept the fans in the stands. And would, he made beers a dollar and hot dogs a dollar and kept people there. And, I mean, we played tarp soccer because we had a soccer ball. And we just kind of made makeshift goals. And Nice. I, I will say, in hindsight, I have no idea why we didn't play kickball. But it is That's true. That's, That's true. the biggest question to come out of that is why kickball wasn't the sport of choice. But it was, it was fun. Well, Between dodging the mound and trying to stay on your feet is a good time yeah um whew. that's that that sounds like a lot of fun uh that's definitely something you'll only see in college wood bat league though oh yeah for I'm sure you're never gonna see that with like any affiliated baseball but no that's something fun of it. yeah exactly
what's the strangest thing that you've had to assist with during a game? Probably throw up in the picnic pavilion. Ooh. It was uh, yeah. it was one of those because like so I work we have a picnic pavilion which comes with a buffet pregame so I work the buffet whenever we have that and just mm-hmm. kind of coordinate people's questions over there what where they're sitting at the pavilion if they get the buffet versus if they don't we do offer a mountain buffet option over there right uh, so I go up this lady comes up to me and it's, I was thinking she's gonna have another question about like where her seats are when does she get the buffet so that's kind of normal and she goes hey so like what do I do if someone puked and I was like I was like oh yeah so you you just kind of get we get this cleaner we clean it up me thinking that like oh like she's just asking like hypothetically kids is sick like yeah. hypothetically if he does puke what happens and so I kind of like shook it off and about five minutes later she goes I was asking because someone puked I was like oh okay yeah I, oh. I, I told her I was like hey man like, I'm so sorry I thought you were asking like one of your kids was sick and was about to not like right. has already yeah. so the time I get down there it's kind of crusty and, and dry a little bit which was uh, gross and so yeah. I felt really bad asking our ops director Matt to clean it up himself so I kind of volunteered myself for this one but it was really weird just because like everyone just kind of staring us down with this puke up and they're like cheering for us a little bit they're like yeah great job oh man this is so like, this the worst. well the actual task wasn't that bad but like situationally every, like all eyes on us like nobody watching the baseball game in that area and it's like <sighs> cool it's uh it was like my first homestand too and i was like nice this is just a great uh, way to get started yeah so, right oh man yeah that does not sound fun at all man yeah it's uh it's definitely one looking back though i wouldn't trade it because like I learned how to clean up puke, which is as weird as that sounds. It's, it's something nice, and it's it's one that's going to be helpful in the future, just because I mean I won't have to call it a mat to right. do that. I can kind of do it myself. So there's a little, little bit of a positive win there. So yeah, it's part of the initiation process for sure. Absolutely. What's the best and worst promotion that you've been a part of so far? Best promotion's got to be Fly Guys. That oh. was. It's, it's such a cool experience, man. Especially doing it on like a big night on like a Friday or Saturday when like everyone's out there. That's awesome. And I mean, it's just that's something that I I will never kind of forget in each like each of the nights I've done. I've only done it a couple nights to be honest, but like each of those nights I've had so much fun and just I, every time I walk off the field like smiling ear to ear, and it's like when I had the mask, it was easy to hide like kind of right. childish excitement, but. It's so awesome, man. It's so much fun. Um, on the other side, worst promotion. This one's more just it's my fault, but uh, we were doing bubble ball. We do a bubble ball battle. So there's two defenders and one on offense, and you're trying to get to the line. Yeah. It's Capes and Dylan's night. So it was Thanos versus the Avengers. And Ooh. me being in the single bubble, I was Thanos. Okay. I really wasn't supposed to win. <laughs> Uh, so I, I was up there I was running against two of our interns both of them been talking smack all day like we're coming for blood we're coming for you I get that I shook the first intern pretty easy I felt bad I was like I mean it was I was like Kyrie Irving or Allen Iverson just dropped him <laughs> and then that might be a little he didn't fall it might be a little bit of exaggeration well. but uh, so I was kind of going up against the second guy and from where I was looking at first it looked like that if I kept going towards the corner, I would have him because I kind of drew them both to one side. I was like, if I go towards the camp, like corner, this is over. Yeah. And it was going to be like five seconds. I was like, yeah, I'm not ending it in five seconds. So I cut back, 
But when I cut back, he had already kind of committed to going towards the corner. So when I cut back, I cut straight through him and was at the finish line in one. It was like, it was literally like five seconds. <laughs> and I, so like, I tried to like play it off and like ran back to the start. And then Brad, our, uh, our VP of the sales and our PA announcer, he goes, he goes, all right, that's over. That was fine. I kind of, I started talking. I was, I was talking to the interns. I was like, it's too easy. It's too easy as I'm running back to go again. And I came off the field and I was like, like Scotty was talking to me. He goes, you know, it's, it's supposed to be for the fans. And I was like, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I, it, I could tell. I, Ashley didn't say it, but she was definitely kind of giving me the, the side eye of like, yeah, hey, you messed up. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's one of those, but that one was, it worked out in the, in the back end kind of because we had to do some more birthday announcements. So we haven't oh, got okay. to yet. So I kind of helped out time yeah. there, but. There you I, go. I definitely messed that up, and that's why it's the worst promotion because I will, I'm embarrassed. I'll Dude, be, I messed this up so bad. I've it's, messed up promotions all the time, so I it's hard for me to even keep track of them. Just I, I was I was the PA announcer for for the majority yeah. of um, my time in Beloit, so that probably had something to do with it for sure. And I did the music yeah. at the same time. So trying to do all that multitasking, I probably messed a handful of uh, promotions up as well. So yeah. no worries there. Um, I have had quite a few weird interactions with fans. Um, have you had any of those yet? Absolutely. So, What's uh, the weirdest one? In, I'll go in baseball and the one from Charlotte just because the one right. from Charlotte's one of the funniest members I've ever had. There we go. But, um, at least to me. But in in baseball with the Fireflies, I'm so I'm in charge of our mascot Mason, uh, kind of hiring and doing that stuff on game day. And we had a season ticket holder up in our suites. Who she has her Mason. Uh, oh. She's a very nice lady. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but she has her Mason, and she makes it very apparent. And I had this weird interaction. It's almost like Groundhog Day every day. Okay. He's there. So the Mason that's not her Mason, every time she seeks me out and she goes, why didn't you hire my Mason? I don't know who her Mason is. I don't know what who she's talking about, what his name is. Huh? So every time I try to play like a little dumb and be like, oh, like you just didn't want to come back. Like, oh, like that was your Mason. And it's just, it's this weird interaction that's been going on since the start of this ah. season that just, it lives on like a Groundhog's Day. Okay. And every day that I know, so we have one Mason that's a little bit taller than the other, and when it's the shorter one, it's not her Mason, it's, and it's never going to I guess the other one's just the same height as that guy, but she's like, yeah, that's not my Mason. We'll get my Mason back. I want my Mason. Oh. I'm like, like, man, I, I don't know. Hey, I don't know who that is, like, yeah. And so that's a, that was just weird, just being like, it get, like, if it was just a one-time thing or a two-time thing, it wouldn't have been that weird to me. But the fact that it lives on and it's just this groundhog day interaction about the seventh inning of every game. Yeah, that's it's, strange. Uh, it's wild. Yeah, I, I don't know what that that Mason that Tony Mason did, but the impact is awesome. I mean, that's what you want in my league. Yeah, really. Memorable. <laughs> so I guess he did his job too well. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, and the one from Charlotte. So when I was an intern in Charlotte. I worked uh, in core partnerships in that department. Uh, one of my tasks on race uh, race week was to go water the plants outside of our corporate hospitality area mm-hmm. down in the infield. Take the gator down there, usually have some headphones in, just kind of listen to some music, water the plants kind of earlier in the morning. This fan comes over to me 
four days before the Coke 600, so the biggest race in on Charlotte's calendar. Yeah. Uh, and usually, they used to, when I was there, they had the all-star race a week before, so it's like 10 straight days of racing, which is pretty sick. But there's, that means that fans are in the infield for 10 straight days. Oh, okay. Nice. And this guy comes up to me in Dale Earnhardt boxers and some flip-flops. And he's so. got a beer in his hand, and it's like 7 in the morning. Hey, like, Kyle, I was like, I'm like, all right, this is, a, I can kind of see him out of the corner of my eye. Nice. And, you know, all of a sudden, I just hear, everybody, what here? What? Excuse me? So I kind of look at, I pulled my headphone out, thinking maybe I just didn't hear him because the headphones. Right. And then, like, I was like, excuse me, sir, I'm sorry, I, I couldn't hear you. And he goes, everybody, what here? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I work here as I'm wearing a shot of motor speed, like, yeah. on my badge. Like, right. Yeah, I work here. I go, 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 go. Doesn't say a word, dude. I finish watering the plants. He just watches me. Drinks, That's it. Drinks his butt night, watches me watering the plants. I'm just like, what in the world's going on here? 7 a.m. He wow. ends up, so I get, like, I'm packing up the hose, going back up, like, to get on the rest of my day. I go, I'm going to have a good night. And I was like, dang, like, <laughs> And then as I'm kind of pulling out, I have like you turn and come back by him. And he pulls another beer out of the pocket. I don't know where. I really don't know where he realized. Just had his pocket. And he goes, hey, my little bird. And I was like, it's 7 in the morning. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. But I can't. Yeah, right. Uh, oh, he was he was a character. And then a couple nights later, to double down on that interaction with him. I'm driving back through the infield to go, like, uh, we're cleaning up the plants after the Coke she time. So it's race day at the Coke Summer, the race is over. We're kind of taking out some of the plants just because some of them, they wanted to kind of move and use up in, like, uh, the Speedway Club restaurant there. Okay. I'm taking them out, and I'm driving my golf cart by, and it's the same golf cart with the hose and everything in it. And he goes, hey, my friend. And I was like, <laughs> how do you know who I am still? It was, I mean... This guy was just a character. I, I don't think he put his shirt on or pants that entire weekend. Could still to this day cannot tell you where or what pocket that beer came out of, but that beer came out. And I was like, nice. I, I legitimately believe that he may have just had it like pinned in the waistband in the back of just like underwear. Oh, maybe. You know, good for him. Yeah. I'm, to say I'm jealous would be an understatement. Oh, yeah. He's living, but uh, he is. That was probably the weirdest fan interaction I may ever have. And nice. I was soft. He he was every every NASCAR fan that you hear about and you stereotype. He was him, but he was the nice guy. Nice. Um, I'll tell this one quick. I've told it before on the podcast, but it was a while back. Um, I was an intern for the Williamsport Crosscutters, uh, which is my hometown. So like I knew a decent amount of fans that that were there. Like it was two minutes away from my parents' house, um, but this. So I was wearing a Crosscutters jersey. That's what the um, like the promo team wears. Um, so I was trying to get people to do the promos on the field and stuff like that, and get them all corralled and all you know, trying to get them ready between innings and stuff. And um, this really old lady comes up to me, and she she's got a cane and everything. And I I just thought she was gonna ask me like where section you know, A was, or whatever, you know, and, um, she, she said, excuse me, sir, um, what's your name, and I told her my name, and, uh, she goes, how old are you, and I, at this point, I was fresh out of college, so I was, I was like, I'm 23, and 
I might have been 22, I don't know. But um, and and she she points back to me, and uh, or she points back to her seat, and she goes, "Do you see that that blonde girl with the blue dress?" And I said, "Yeah, young girl, um, probably probably like you know just out of high school age." And um, she said, "That's my 19 year old granddaughter." And uh, do you know or what? She, what she said something like, "She told me that she wants to sit on your face," and I was like, "I like was just dumbfounded." I was like, "What?" And and she she said she said, "Yep, that's what she told me." And um, she's too embarrassed to ask for your number. So um, do you do you have a phone number that you could give me so I could give it to her? I think I actually did end up giving her my number um, and like we sent like two text messages back and forth and that was it. But I was I was just so dumbfounded that this really old lady said that her granddaughter wanted to sit on my face. The only thing that could have made that story funnier was if you were like, and that's my wife now. Yeah, that would that would have been pretty funny, actually. Oh, that's not where I saw that story going at all. I figured the granddaughter was into you, but I did not see it taking that right turn there. I know, I know. You can't really see. You can't really predict that coming out of an old lady's mouth. That's for sure. That's something. That's for sure. Um, so let's segue into another uh, topic here. Um, so we talked about it a little bit earlier before we started recording. Uh, Casey Vecchio. Her and I went to college. You work with her. She was one of the first, like, five to ten guests on the Pulling Tart podcast. Uh, so what's it like working with, with Casey? Um, do you have any fun stories from working with her so far? Uh, I will say, disclaimer, I was uh, told before my appearance on this podcast that I am supposed to talk about Casey with the highest regard. Um of course. So everything you hear here is, is only the highest regard for Casey. Sure. Um, she, I told her, I joked with her that I was just going to break her down and belittle her on this podcast. Uh, I wish I could, legitimately. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't have enough good things to say about her. She is extremely hardworking, and uh, she's fun to work next to. So I actually literally sit next to Casey. Okay. So my desk is right across the aisle from her, so she's probably... She's one of the, uh, she's up in that bullpen. There's a six sales guys in the bullpen. Uh, well, spots for six. We have five full, and then we have a rotating cubicle for interns if we have them to make calls and stuff. So usually there's there's five to six guys up there in the bullpen. And then on the right of myself is uh, Casey's cubicle, and then uh, Haley West, who's our promotions intern up there. So got a little bit of marketing kind of right there, intermittent with sales. But Casey is, uh, she's a lot of fun to work next to. She's really funny to, kind of work next to the fact that I am, I'm very much like, I'll give an hour of just hard effort and then take five minutes when I like go to the bathroom and get on Twitter and I always end up finding something funny and we kind of have a similar personality. So I'll just like hold my phone up to her cubicle and be like, look. And she like looks up and she's like, I'm working. That's funny, but I'm working. And so it's a little bit of kind of like a little brother, big sister relationship in some aspects and the fact that I'm a little bit of the annoying little brother. Uh, so I've had to, definitely had to get better at but like realizing when she's working and when I can tell her jokes, that's a, a little bit of a growing pain there. But I think my favorite 
memory with Casey is that I just went a two-hour car ride with her going down to Charleston because mm-hmm. we were working as an appearance for our mascot down at the Charleston Stingrays, uh, or South Carolina Stingrays in Charleston, excuse me. And it was just two hours of me and Casey unfiltered and had the same sense of humor. And you know, in Casey's sense of humor, you can see how off the rails that car ride went. Yeah. Uh, it was, that was a good time. That was definitely a lot of fun kind of getting down there with her and uh, just kind of didn't know her better a little bit outside of work too. We're both big hockey fans. She's a, as you know, she's a big Penguins fan. I'm a big Stars fan. So as the Stars were making a deep run in the playoffs last year, uh, there was a lot of trash talk between the two of us. Uh, and then the year the Stars had this year, there was a lot of trash talk the other way. Casey just saying, yeah, what's it like to just suck? And I'm like, yeah, hockey season's over, Casey. But just uh, hockey season does not exist to me. So it's, uh, it's been fun. I think if I can uh, sum up Casey in one sentence and kind of who she is as an employee especially in one sentence is uh honestly she's a jack of all trades uh, i think she's a person that she can do so much for so many different departments i mean from helping out our ops guys with great signage so it makes their job a little bit easier because we got signage coming from the, the parking lot to the gates telling you what you can and can't bring in and mm-hmm. very good design like and she made something that I would never thought of. It's just a little square to like hold up your bag to to see if it's small enough, if it's not clear. Right. And like just little things like that, but like help down options. I mean, stuff that immensely helps sales. And then some of the graphics she's making for marketing are just, they're awesome. I mean, she's uh, she's a funny one to pull tarp with because she has these like rain boots and I'm a really barefoot tarp puller. I think. Oh, okay. One of the best. So it's, uh, I'll die on that hill. Um, but uh, she's like showing like rain boots and stuff. Uh, and she's the other end of it where she's like, going out there like she's going into like mock a horse barn but I think peace <laughs> around uh, but yeah no she's she's been fun to, to work with and I think it's funny how our uh, our experiences growing up and our age gap may be kind of significant but like sense of humor is both there the same uh, and then she's just like I said she's, she's an insanely talented person too and yeah. it helps to kind of work next to her it's, it is nice working next to her. I'll never say any of this to her face, so I hope she doesn't listen to the podcast. Uh, just because I like to, I like to bust her balls. So <laughs> it's uh, one of those things. But working next to her, as hard as she works, it makes me want to work harder. Just because it's like, hey, she's over there busting her ass, getting these graphics done, and making some awesome stuff. I want to bust my ass to get people in ballpark to see it. And so it just it works both ways. She's uh, right. really a person to be around, and she's insanely creative and insanely smart and i think that's oh, yeah. pretty cool to see so yeah i i see like the um the social media graphics and stuff like that and i'm just like you and i took the same classes um <laughs> but my designs were nowhere near what you're putting out um i don't i think she was more the design route and i was like the emerging technology and like multimedia route um, but we did overlap on classes a lot. Um, but to be honest, in college, she—I I mean, I'm sure she had like her own like group of friends, but like she was a very quiet in college. And then um, once I started, once I discovered that we both went down the same path of like minor league baseball, I just kind of like kind of kept in touch with her like through like LinkedIn and Twitter and stuff like that. Um, I think we had to make a Twitter for one of our classes. So, like, we were probably one of each other's, like, first followers on Twitter, like, ever, um, which was, like, 10 years ago, which is scary to think. But, but yeah, now she's putting out, like, 
these amazing designs for the fireflies and um like you said yeah she's very talented um and yeah. her like her like we didn't talk for probably almost a decade like we we would interact with each other on social media but then she agreed to come on this podcast like just like willy-nilly just like hey like yeah. yeah we went to college together now we both work in minor league baseball you know that kind of thing so yeah she's yeah. she's awesome that's for sure she's uh she's part of the team uh, so i'm marketing director her name's ashley Licarlo. i i may be a little biased but if i had really ranked the top five marketing directors across minor league baseball i think she'd be in it her her mind and her her discernment i think too are some of the better ones I've ever seen. And the team she's built here, bringing in Casey, uh, bringing in Haley West, who Haley West is, she's going to end up running promotions for some team and probably being a director of marketing herself. But okay. She's insanely talented as well. And she, her title may say intern, but her work ethic and her knowledge and skill are way beyond that. I think we're, we're extremely lucky to have her. Uh, our broadcaster, John Kosis, our video guy, Zach Branham, they... That team that Ashley's built, I'm uh, quasi a part of it just because I run our, our Mason and some of our community relations. But, right. Uh, I uh, I can't take credit for much of the stuff they do. That's that's all them. They're they're an amazing team, and um, I'm really blessed to just kind of sit in the room with them sometimes and nice. kind of hear the way they all work together and kind of bounce ideas off each other. There, they're really an amazing crew, and I think I think a lot of that is a testament to Ashley and a testament to John Katz and Brad Shank and then our editor Jason Fryer. Yeah. really having her back and, and supporting her and kind of giving Ashley the platform to hire the right people, put the right pieces in place because none of the stuff you see on social media, none of the marketing stuff would ever happen if if John didn't support Ashley and, and see that talent in her and put her in that role. So, I mean, right. a lot of that goes to, I mean, I love sitting next to Casey and I can't speak highly of her enough, but I don't think I'd be sitting next to Casey if Ashley wasn't in that chair making some of those calls and bringing her in. So right. I'm extremely thankful to Ashley for bringing people in and kind of bringing this team together because honestly it makes our sales job so much easier when they're putting all these awesome promotions and they're, they're I didn't realize how thoughtful and deliberate they were. I mean, I have a marketing degree and I'm very much throwing at the wall. If it sticks, it sticks in the yeah. marketing aspect. Like I can, I, I have a habit of going into Ashley's office, which I've had to get better about or just going to Casey or Haley and just being like this, just saying an idea, not, not even framing it all the time. <laughs> like there was one time I like last night, for example, when we were at a game, I just walked up to Casey and like in between her motions while she's running around, I was like, we should put a pool in the center field. And she's <laughs> like, what? And I'm like, at least you can put a pool in the center field. I'd be sick. And then I'm very much, like I said, like idea, wall, down the stick, it, it weighs with it. Yeah. As a, it's, a, it's been cool to kind of be in the room with them because there's a couple times I've been in the room with them I throw an idea at the wall and it stuck, but it stuck because of the fact that they used a little bit of duct tape and some sticky tack and kept it up there for me. So okay. it's, uh, it's one of those, it's, it's been really cool to kind of, to be a part of that team and really see all of them work. And then I we I think we have one of the best broadcasters in the business in John Kosis, which is which yeah. really cool. And I'm really lucky to have him. This kid Zach Brandon, we got on the video. That kid is talented, man. I mean, he's, he's special. He's a special, special talent. And um, I'm thankful he's there. Like I said, with Haley and Casey, they're both insanely smart minds and insanely hard workers too, which makes a lot of the dreams we have kind of come to a reality. And then all that, again, goes back to Ashley DiCarlo kind of just putting the right pieces in, which has been huge and been really cool for us. I think not enough can be said about her putting the people in the right spots and then 
just the people she chose themselves individually. They are amazing, amazing people. It's, they're a great team that, she put, that she's put together. They all work together. So it's nice. a lot of yin-yang pieces, which has been really awesome. Nice. That's awesome, man. Uh, so we'll wrap it up here. Where can the listeners find you on social media? So uh, Instagram, Twitter, everything like that. TikTok, if you're uh, into Ooh, that. Okay. Everything is uh, that's Derek, just D-A-T-S-D-E-R-R-I-C-K, one word. Uh, it's been that way since I was like 16, so we're nice. going to keep rolling with it. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's one that I'm I'm really excited about and uh, really thankful for, so uh Thank you for this, and uh, glad to be on here, and I'm glad that social media led me to it, so it's been cool. Yeah, man, for sure. That's It's been so awesome uh, connecting with with new people that I probably wouldn't have met before. Uh, when I got out of baseball, I had this idea to, to make this podcast probably for a couple years before I got out of baseball, and then once I had the time, it just kind of all, you know, went hand in hand, and... Uh, you know, here we are. This is episode seventy-four. So I'm glad that you can be a part of it. Um, but so you've listened to I know Casey's episode and a couple other episodes. You know, we end with the same question: During your minor league baseball career, what has been your favorite walk-up song, and whose was it? It's tough. Uh, I got a couple in mind. Uh, can I take it? A different way, though. Sure. Um, we did a uh, we do an intern softball game in uh, St. Joe with the Mustangs. Okay. And the intern softball game we include walk up songs. It's a game. It's complete private. We all know. No one knows each other's walk up songs though. But it's actually Bobby Coon, ironically enough, Ooh. came out to Stone Cold Steve Austin his walk up uh, his th- song. Bobby's bald. Came out with two beers of Stone Cold Steve Austin and proceeded to hit a dinger. It's one of the coolest moments of our lives. <laughs> and so it's, and that's one of the, that'll always stick with me. Uh, him coming out of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Nice. Uh, if I had to pick, though, I probably couldn't tell you what the song is, but uh, one Carlos Negret, it's a Latin song, and it just gets me young. I'm a lot every nice. time. Uh, it's like, it puts me in a good mood every time I hear Negret's song when he's walking up for the Fireflies. So, no idea what it's called. Probably never know, but uh, I just always really enjoy it. It's actually really happy. Nice, nice. And so you're a baseball fan and sports fan. You'll you'll love this. I just texted my wife. You know, I told you before this, like we were gonna watch the home run derby together, <laughs> and um, the you know she's not a big sports fan at, at all. And she she said, "How about you you tape it and uh, and we can watch it tomorrow night." I'm just like. No, in the world of social media, that doesn't that doesn't work. I'm yeah, not, that's not going to work tonight. No. So. I'm a big uh, celeb all-star game fan, so for the uh, celeb all-star softball game, that's what I'm really looking forward to tonight. That's, uh, oh, yeah. That's where the real athletes show themselves. So. That's for sure. Especially if you got, you got TikTok stars and JoJo Siwa in there, it's going to be uh, something. So. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, man. Well, I'll let you go. I'll watch the Home Run Derby and the Celebrity All-Star uh, softball game. Uh, but thank you again for coming on the Pulling Tart podcast. I uh, really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much again. And I'm looking forward to watching Sally mash and bombs for me, son. Nice, nice. Best of luck, man. Best of luck with the rest of the season as well. Absolutely, man. Come down and see us if you get a chance. Will do. Will do.
You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.